This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Mike Francesa Podcast, British Open Week, and we welcome in David Dusick, the senior writer for Golf Week. David, welcome. How are you? Good morning. How are you? Um Let's deal with the elephant in the room first. We've seen all the comments, Tiger's comments, everything else. What do you think, from someone who covers it uh, full-time, what do you think the next year brings with the LIV, and how do you think the majors will handle it? Well, I think, Mike, that they're going to be interrelated. And the one thing that you and your listeners really want to focus on over the course of the next, say, 12 months is what's going to happen with official world golf ranking points. Liv is going to bring in more players. There are going to be more good name players that are going to make the defection over. We, we haven't got anything official, but, but that I think with the money that they're throwing around is definitely going to happen. Yep. But the real key long-term for them is will they be able to get official world golf ranking points awarded to players who compete in these events? And the reason why that's really important is that the qualification for major championships is based almost always on world ranking points. Now, if you win the Masters, you get a lifetime exemption. You win a British Open, you're into that one until age 60. Um, But most of the ways that guys get into major championships is based on their world ranking or their performance in different tournaments, like the PGA Championship, et cetera. So if you get a guy, for example, like Kevin Na, whose world ranking is going to go down and down and down as the weeks go on and his ranking points go down. If he doesn't get awarded world ranking points, he's out of the major championships. That becomes a big problem, and, a, and it, lo- it, it, it makes the live, for a lot of players, lose its allure. It's a lot of money. But if they get awarded world ranking points, so now all of a sudden the guys can take the money, they can play numerically fewer tournaments, but they still get to find a way to get themselves into the majors, then all hell breaks loose and you're going to see even more defections. But right now it appears that the governing bodies, the people who are involved with world ranking points are not looking to do any favors to Greg Norman and those folks who have nothing official. Um, but I don't think they're going to change the criteria for getting into the U S open for trying to qualify for the British open. But I don't see guys who just get handed checks for millions of dollars going through district qualifying the sectional quality. They, they want to get in on exemptions. So uh, I think the key thing for everybody to understand is that we're going to get more players who are going to go over from PGA Tour, DP World Tour, which is the old European Tour. They're going to go to live. We're going to see some more of that. But the thing to really focus on is what's happening with world ranking points. And the, and the timing doesn't work for the, for the LIV Tour because with the majors over this year, everyone now is going to wait all the way to see what happens with guys for the Masters who aren't champions. And if they mm-hmm. file a lawsuit then, and they wait all the way to next April to file a lawsuit, and somebody will file a lawsuit, it's going to take at least nine months, a year to get that heard. So it's, that's not going to have the impact if they could do it this week and at least pick up that, all that dead time. So that, that, the calendar is going to play against them a little bit here also. 
Uh, absolutely. And the fact that, like, as of right now, Mike, the guys who have played live events and who will – they're going to be out of PGA tournaments. We don't know what PGA Tournament Commissioner Jay Monahan is going to do when it comes to will these guys be able to come back in 12 months, in six months. We, we have no idea how long this suspension is going to last. Is it going to be for their career? We, we don't know. But the longer that they go where they can't compete in PGA Tour events, the longer they go when they're going to no longer be able to use qualifications that they've got now into majors, it gets harder and harder for them to get back because their rankings go down and down and down. And we're not going to have after this week. This is the season's final major for the guys. So you're going to wait until next April, as you point out, before some of these guys might, for example, be on network television again. This could be it, for example, from Dustin Johnson or for Brooks Kepka or Phil Mickelson, some of these guys who, who are household names, stars. You won't see them on network TV after Sunday, I would imagine, until at the earliest next April. Um, it's it's a very, very strange, weird scenario. Everything gets get, that gets played out. But there's a chance that none of those guys also earn world ranking points until their next major championship appearance, which is the 2023 Masters. Yeah, it's, it, it is going to be very – and I do agree with you that – Logically, the money is going to lessen for guys who don't have the impact. And number two, if those guys can't play in majors, I think they will be they will think twice about going uh, because if it's a guy who's not a, I mean, Phil Mickelson obviously he's at the end of his career. Any of the guys like Garcia or Poulter or Lee Westwood, their careers are at the end. So I can understand it doesn't impact them. But a young guy who wants to play the next fifteen years in majors, hey, that he has to think twice before he takes that money. And that's what Rory McIlroy brought up in his press conference at St. Andrews, Mike, is, is that while he doesn't begrudge or basically like hold it against guys, um, that if you're at the beginning of your career, and Tiger Woods echoed the exact same thing, if you're at the beginning of your career, you've got it all in front of you, you've worked your tail off as a junior, in many cases playing collegiate golf, elite, like all this stuff you've been working towards trying to compete in major championships. And if you sign on the dotted line and you take the money now, that for the foreseeable future, is going to be off the table. That Ryder Cups, you're not going to play in a Ryder Cup if you're playing live stuff right now. You're not playing PGA 4 events. You're not accumulating points, Ryder Cup points. You're not playing President's Cups. All these things that golf holds as holy, these significant biannual often events, these special events are taken off the table for you because you took the money. Now, look, it's everybody's individual you know, idea whether they want to take that money or they don't want to take that money, but but the guys who I think are, have the biggest voice right now, Tiger, Rory, Justin Thomas, who are favoring the PGA Tour side of things, are pointing out something that's indisputable as of right now, which means that if you take that money, you are not going to be in the most significant events, most likely, going forward, especially if you're a younger player. And uh, that's, a, that's a big gamble to take. Before we get to the Open itself, David, one more. I want to talk about David Dusick, senior writer for Golf Week. Most challenges to any established league or tour are like a fly against an elephant. This one, though, they had a tremendous amount of money. And they do have courses where most leagues don't have stadiums. They don't have venues. They don't have TV, which is much easier now. And the second quarter is always a very viable TV time. Did the PGA, did the the golf tour, did the PGA... Did they make a big mistake? Did did the guys here, did Monahan, did he make a mistake in not taking this more seriously? 
Probably, yes. I, I think that there was a sense almost, and, it's, and maybe it's human nature, Mike, where people think that something is potentially so outlandish and so outside of the norm, so away from what we just know, that it wasn't taken seriously enough early enough. And the other thing that Jay Monahan mentioned when he did a press conference I was at at the Travelers Championship outside of Hartford a couple of weeks ago, the PJ Tour can't compete with the sovereign wealth fund of Saudi Arabia. No, no one can. If, if it's good, right. If it, so if it comes down to money, and if you believe that every athlete has a price, and we see this in, in every sport out there, you know, if the money is good enough, guys move in the NBA, guys move in MLB. Like yeah, We're now learning that guys will move in golf. And, and they can say a lot of things about you know, the honor of the game and, and, and holding all these historically significant things or that's important to me and, you know, my place in history. If the check gets big enough, guys will bounce. Now, the check may be almost unwritable for somebody like Tiger Woods. Right. I, think it, I don't think that Rory McIlroy, I don't think there's a price for him. Justin Thomas and a few other guys have made it clear, John Rahm, that, that they're not going. But the rank-and-file guys, and there's become a template for the type of player that has accepted the money. Most of them, as you pointed out, older players who maybe don't want to be on the road as much, guys who've been battling injuries and aren't really confident that they are going to be contending week in and week out against all these guys every year. There's young, new players that have got a lot of game, and it, and it wears on guys. So, you know, the aforementioned Sergio Garcia, Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter, Paul Casey just announced last week, another guy who's been battling a back injury for a long time. He's been on tour for about 20 years. Does he want to keep going through and playing 20, 22 events a year to make sure that he can keep his exemptions and his work? He, he decided that he wanted to go. So those guys are going to go. Um, the PJ Tour can't compete with that money. And, and so it'll be just it's just going to be fascinating. Did they make a mistake and not taking it seriously, not doing things to make sure that they could protect some of the key players from not feeling the, the temptation? Yeah, they probably did. The hits to the heart clearly were Kepka and Dustin Johnson. Yeah, I, you know, I, 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 the Dustin Johnson one, because he was really the first big name, you know, so he probably got one of the bigger checks going. There's a two-time major winner, the 2016 um, U.S. Open, the 2020, you know, the one where there were no speculators at all with the Masters. Um, a household name, Brooks Kepka, a household name, four-time major winner, two U.S. Opens, two PGA championships, you know, including at, at Beth Page and Shinnecock. Um, those ones hurt. Mickelson, obviously, with the quotes that were released, you know, in this winter – we kind of knew that he was going to go. Yep. Um, whether he was officially and even DeChambeau was considered a renegade, I, you know. But but Kepka and Dustin Johnson, those were hits to the heart. There's no question. He and, and DeChambeau was really tight with Mickelson. They are very very good friends. They played a lot of practice rounds together. They they talked a lot and hung out a lot during the Ryder Cup this last fall. So that one to me is again not not wholly surprising. Again, a guy who's been battling injuries, a guy who looks at things differently, and again probably took an enormous check. The Brooks Kepka one, we really started getting a hint of that at the U.S. Open, which is so interesting because all along he had said, I'm not going, I'm not going, I'm, I'm tired of these questions. This is distracting from the U.S. Open when, when we were up at Brookline, uh, you know, just a couple of weeks ago. And then literally like a few days later. But when he's fist bumping Phil Mickelson, you know, on the practice screen at Brookline then that raised a couple eyebrows of those of us who sort of saw they're like, okay. And, and you try and, you know, sometimes you overread things. Um, a few of us took notice of that. Were we surprised that he did it? Yes, 
after seeing that, after a couple just like little things, when you look back and you see the breadcrumbs, you're like, okay, I can sort of see where it goes. And it's, it's the big names that have become household stars on the PGA Tour, turning their back on the PGA Tour and taking the money. You're right. Those hurt a lot. And uh, do you think they made the right move this week in not bringing Norman in to honor him as a past British Open champion? Uh, were you surprised by that or you thought that was the right move or was that a significant salvo in, in itself? Um, I, I think that it was probably the right move because it's hard for us here in the U.S. to appreciate how much the 150th anniversary this is the 150th playing of the open championship what this means in europe this is massive they right and st andrews is yankee stadium i mean it's yankee I, stadium it's fenway park it's 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 a hollowed ground this is this is the home of golf literally this is this golf course is about 500 years old it's you know a murderer's row of champions who have won here they want this week to be nothing else but 150th Open Championship. We want to celebrate the winners. There was a great celebration of champions, if you had a chance to see it. Yep. T- and and Jack Woods. and Tiger on the bridge was a, was a very big photo op with, for them. There's no question, with, you know? With, with, with you know, flanked by Lee Trevino and Rory McIlroy. Yep. I mean, like, it doesn't get bigger than that. It just doesn't. You know, unless they were going to dig up, you know, and, and bring out the ghost of Bobby Jones. And all <laughs> that's, as, that's as big as you're going to get in golf. And so that's what Martin Slumbers and the folks – at the RNA wanted this to be about. And I can tell you that he just finished his press conference this morning. Um, and it was all live stuff. You know, they really didn't want this to be about Greg Norman. They didn't want this to be about this breakaway tour. And by not having Norman, what the attempt was is like, that, that will be a Monday story. We'll deal with that stuff, you know, on Monday. And by the time we get to Wednesday and certainly on Thursday, when shots are being hit and we're playing some golf, that story will be behind us, and we won't be talking about, hey, here's Greg Norman. On I think they call. accomplished that, especially by wheeling out and doing so much with Nicholas this week, making him a citizen. Uh, everything they did there this week, they made it very much about the history. And here in this country, you know, Jack Nicholas is a god. Tiger Woods is a god. So they really leaned on those two to really send their message. And, and this morning it was announced that Tiger Woods, Paul Laurie, and Rory McIlroy have been made honorary members of the Royal and Ancient at Bingo. St. Andrews. So like they're, Bingo, they're, yeah. they're laying on as much of the sentiment, as much of you know the color and the pageantry as they possibly can. And tomorrow they're looking forward to shots being in the air and, and us being able to see Tiger and all the stars go at it on, on as you said, the most holy ground we have in Australia. Right, and these guys love this course. Uh, Tiger calls it his favorite course. I mean, uh, they love this course. Now let's get to the Open itself. We're talking with David Dusick, senior writer for Golf Week. St. Andrews itself, they say, is very hard right now. Uh, obviously, uh, it, is, it can be a tricky course. 14 fours, which make it a unique course, as we know. Um, and the feeling there, at least from the... The analyst I see is that it really favors the long hitter. You agree? Yeah, but but I'll also say that this is the the one major of the four, Mike, where if you are not the biggest hitter, you can oftentimes, with wit and guile, get around a British Open course much more easily than you can, for example, at Augusta National or at a U.S. Open venue. We saw that when Tom Watson nearly won uh, at age 59. Uh, a, a British Open, you know, he got outdone there by Stuart Sink. We've seen other players, the you know, uh, 2008, Greg Norman, you know, in his 50s, was was able to compete and get it around there. You can do it because 
the, the ground is so firm and, and so baked out. It's literally like playing golf on linoleum. I mean, the ball is just going to go and right. go and go. It's, so you think even the, sm- the guys who aren't the longest hitters, they, the, you know, the, the, the guys who are the long hitters are going to fly those bunkers. You think the guys can get around that with some guile and the ability of that thing to roll so many balls a long distance. That's going to be able to equalize the field a little the, bit. Distance, distance is always going to be an advantage. I mean, that, that's always going to be great. But if you get distance and you are just even a little bit offline, the contours and the swales of the golf course will oftentimes take a shot and make it intentionally curve into one of the pot bunkers. And if you get into a fairway bunker at a British Open course, especially at St. Andrews, um, and there are 170 bunkers on this golf course, all of them named, it's, it's kind of crazy. You, you're dead. Like that, that is a full stroke penalty. It is designed to like, you, you need to stay out of this. And that's what Tiger didn't hit into a single one in 2000 when he ran around and, and he won this tournament, which is an unbelievable thing. Shorter hitters who can control the ball and keep it in the fairway, avoid those pop bunkers will be just as well off as a player who is spraying it, getting offline and has bad angles into these greens. The greens are massive. They're humongous, but they oftentimes have false fronts, roll-offs in the backs and the sides, so they play smaller. I, I think that anybody can contend, um, but St. Andrews has a funny thing where, like, Mike, is this is as chalk as it gets. If you go back to 1970... Yeah, big stars win here. Big stars win here. 1970, you get Jack Nicholas, then yep. Nicholas again, Seve Basteros, Nick Faldo, you get John Daly, two from Tiger Woods. I mean, this is absolutely the home of chalk. Yep. This is like Kentucky versus Kansas yep. every single year. Absolutely. So I, I think that the players who were the home, you know, the, the household names, the, they happen to also be bigger hitters. It, it, this is going to favor them, I think, to some degree because they're simply the best players, and that's what a good course should do. Yeah, that's why I, I kind of – and I haven't picked him, and he usually is the favorite he's not this week, and that's why I, I like Rom a little bit this week myself, and he's not the favorite in the tournament uh, because he hasn't had the best year. Uh, everyone's making Rory the favorite. Rory, it's been a long time between wins, uh, and, and you know what? This is going to be a windy week, it sounds like, so that's going to be another thing that, you know, as you know, as a guy who spends time around golf, there's nothing golfers can't stand that's having a, a, you know, a wind that's going to drive them crazy, and it's Sounds like the wind's going to be whipping this week. Well, Rory's going to be, aside from Tiger, the most popular player at St. Andrews this week. I mean, Barnum, like, he is their guy, without question. Um, number two in the world. He did win the Canadian Open last week, but as you sort of alluded to, it's been a while. 2014 was his last major championship. Yep. So he's, you either think he's due or you think that he's not going to get it done, like one, one of the two. Um, well, I just wonder if he ever is going to be considered, you know, he, it's not like he's a bad putter. He's a streaky putter. He's been, he's actually been better lately as a putter. He's not as bad as he used to be, but I just don't ever trust him for four rounds with the putter. Well, I think that he's, he's streaky. As you sort of point out, statistically, he's having his best putting year ever. And this is also a guy who shot 63 at St. Andrews in the 2010 open. So he can take it deep. We know he can go low. He makes a ton of birdies. Um, he's an elite driver of the golf ball. So if you think that driving is going to be challenging for guys, this is a guy who ranks third in driving. He is fifth in distance. Like all the numbers tick. So if you were thinking like, okay, you got to drive it good. You got to make some putts. You got to be able to scramble a little bit. This is a guy who's won four majors. Um, the maturity is there at this point. This is Rory McIlroy in his prime. Now there are other golfers who are also playing at a very high level. But I look at the form coming in. I look at what he does well, uh, pedigree on the golf course. He also plays just about every year the Dunhill Links, where they play at two rounds 
at seniors, familiarity with the golf course, Rory ticks every one of the boxes. Now, now Rom is interesting in that he is probably the only player that I would say is a better driver of the ball than Rory. Um, Great driver of the ball. Yeah, really. It's it's, it's, wonderful, wonderful player, especially now. He's a little better at keeping his temper under control. Wonderful, (laughs) wonderful talent. He really is. The problem with John is that, yes, his temperament has gotten better. The maturity has gotten better. I think becoming a dad did wonders for him. You know, I think that was actually just something that mellowed out the edges uh, a little bit. He is, compared to his peers, a terrible chipper and pitcher of the golf ball. Everybody's going to miss greens. You're going to see golf balls bounce and roll and, and pass through greens because they're so baked out, especially early when guys are getting used to it under tournament conditions. John Rahm ranks 144th in a stack called Strokes Gained Around the Green, which yep. is a compilation of all the chipping and pitching and, and bunker play and stuff like that. That worries me. Now, if he stays out of those situations, it's all green lights for him. Again, all, all of it is there. He's won a major he will be huge and popular. The deeper we get into the tournament, it'll be interesting to see the crowds because they're going to be massive. They're going to put 300,000 people in the golf course this week. So you're wow. going to get enormous crowds, huge crowds. Um, the temperatures will be in the 60s, but let's just say I'm sure they'll be well hydrated, just like they would be around here. Um, <laughs> and, and, and if you get a European player like Rom, like Rory, like some of these guys, it's it's going to get really loud, and they will feed off of that support just like that Seve Ballesteros used to do, just like Faldo, although he hit it. He used to feed off that European energy. Those guys will feel it. Um, I just worry that if there is a shortcoming, which many of the guys who are going to be contenders don't have, Rom's short game has been a little bit iffy this year. How about Fitzpatrick? Fitzy's big, it's just great. I mean, like, I, I would think that coming off of the U.S. Open, just brimming with confidence, feeling really and good. And, you know, he hit the European ball a lot further than he had in the past. He he made some incredible shots in that tournament where, you know, people always questioned his length. He really, he, he hit the ball a long way in that tournament. He's got that young kid face, but he's been working his body and working and developing more speed for the last couple of years, and you really saw that at Brookline. Um the, the, the question mark I have is really, Mike, is, is two things. Number one, is Matthew Fitzpatrick somebody who wins two majors in one right. year? Right. That's, 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 that's a lot to do. It really is. That's, that's a lot to do. And the other thing that's a huge key at St. Andrews is statistically he is a very bad, he's very bad at what we call three-putt avoidance. He three-putts a lot. Now, everybody's going to have a couple in there. That's fine. The greens are so big, though. <clears throat> Pardon me. And, and you're going to have so many long putts that he is going to be more susceptible to giving up strokes on the green. Now, for the reasons why you liked Rory for being a better putter, a little bit streaky, Scotty Scheffler, who we haven't talked about. Hey, Scheffler's become, I was going to get to him next. He has become an incredibly consistent player, Uh, just an amazingly consistent player. The the guy's got four wins this season and three runner-up finishes. He's earned $13 million in prize money, which already breaks the season-long PGA Tour record, which he did like a month ago. For prize money. And a really um, good yeah, temperament I, on the course, too, you know? He doesn't let things... Uh, it seems like he's able to shake off a bad hole, a bad run. I mean, and he's a very good clutch putter. He's he's very good. He's got the wins now, so he it, winning becomes a habit. You see this in every sport. Guys and, and teams that become successful, they just... They have this confidence that they're willing to be patient and wait it out. So as the stress of competition heats up, they just, it, it, everything just, just slows down. They're fine with it. I think it was a huge thing for him to get Ted Scott as his caddy at the beginning of this year. Ted Scott being Bubba Watson's former caddy. The two guys met. They, their personality-wise, 
very, very similar. But Teddy brings oceans of experience that a player like um, Scotty Scheffler just hasn't had a time to earn at this point. I mean, he is number one um, in greens and regulation. He's number three in birdies per round. Again, four wins, three runner-ups, a massive showing last year at the Ryder Cup. Um, world number one. There, there's there's nothing that says that he can't do this. Now, can a player, again, win a Masters, have a really good performance at the U.S. Open where he tied for second, and go out and win a British Open at St. Andrews that's going to have this much magnitude? It's a big ask, but I think he might be up to the task. David Dusick, I, I have to ask you the obligatory Tiger Woods question for everybody. Um, <laughs> I don't expect anything out of him. I think it's a miracle that he even is able to get around the course considering how bad his legs are. Uh, I, I find it a miracle that he can even play. Um, I, I, I think if he was in the top 15, it would be an absolute miracle. Do you expect anything out of him? I, I expect to see the loudest roars I expect to see almost like a standing ovation, especially if it looks like he might be near the cut line on Friday. Um, I don't expect him to contend. I think that his goal, just like what is it? It was at the masters. Can he make the cut? That's an interesting one to look at because the course knowledge um, I think is, is there. Obviously he's won three British opens, two of them at St. Andrews. Um, it's there. It's all about how can he recover? The, the swing is fine. Um, he and everybody he plays with that I've talked to, Justin Thomas plays a lot of golf with him. Uh, Rory's played with him. He played Bally Bunyan earlier this week. The, the, the swing isn't the problem. It's, okay, you walk off the golf course. You've now got 18 hours to get ready for your next round. How much are the legs, the back, the knee, the neck, like everything, the whole package? How much can he and his routine put him back together in the time that he's going to have so where he can just walk 18 more holes. That was the reason why he skipped the U.S. Open. He wasn't able to, coming out of where he had to withdraw the PGA Championship, he couldn't recover fast enough at the PGA on a very hilly golf course uh, at Southern Hills. This is much flatter. I think he has a much better chance to recover, but I think it's a very tall order against the depth and the quality of the depth that he's going to be going against. I think if he can make the cut, it would be an unbelievable accomplishment, having come from a car wreck that, in all sincerity, Leg amputation, we know, was on the table. Absolutely. And if he, it, based and on what we saw from those, unless a guy who died, get less, who got less care, might have lost his leg. One hundred percent. And and given the fact that he rolled that thing into a ravine, and we saw that just the, the wreckage of the car. Had he, thank goodness, he didn't. Had he died in that crash, no one would have been shocked. Given the severity of the accident, the severity of the damage to the car. So we're very, very fortunate that he's here that he's able to walk around and be with his family. The fact that almost might he's able to compete in major championships is such a bonus. I just want to sit back and enjoy it. And yeah, very too. much so. I totally agree. And the world, and, and now he's such a favorite. You know, he has become gone full circle and become the underdog uh, after being, you know, the incredible dominant player. Uh, it's it's like a different lifetime for for Tiger Woods. Everything he does is just treated with great adulation, as it should be now, because you know he means that much. To the game of the guys, you know, Zelatoris is interesting because a young guy to be so consistent in these major championships, I mean, at a young age, you know, he's got a world of talent, but boy, he is a guy who is, is uncanny at how he competes at the top of these tournaments at, at such a young age. He, so Will Zalatoris is the prototype for the way that guys are going to be playing golf, Mike, going forward, which is that they're taking a look at all the analytics, all the stats, and they're trying to break down a golf course and their game. 
and match things up really well. He His talent is undeniable. He's certainly going to win. He has not won a PGA Tour event this year. He came up, and because of COVID, there were some weird rules that re- prevented him from getting full PGA Tour status last year. But as you point out, like he's he's got a runner-up finish at the Masters. He was runner-up at this year at the PGA Championship. Um, he had his nose right there into the very end on the last hole, and, and if he hits a putt, we've got a playoff at the U.S. Open. Um, he hits fairways. He hits greens. His putting stroke, you need to avert your eyes. Well, oh yeah, God, he, he's just show. a terrible putter, you know, for a guy. I mean, it's just uh, you, you, would, you would never teach somebody to putt like him. No, and, and yet he has the uncanny ability in major championships to pull that god-awful putting stroke and make it work. Yes. And somehow to, but, but every time he's lining up over a six-footer, I literally have to like look away. I'll be standing. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't, I can't. You can't look because like it's there is <clears throat> there's a four putt waiting for him on every single hole. But if you put a driver or if you put a five iron into that kid's hands, there there is nobody on the planet better than him right now. He is as good as Rory. He's as good as Rom. The difference for him is that he can't even putt tour average. If he was just an average run of the mill putter and not giving it away on the greens week in and week out of the tour. He'd have two or three wins already this season. No question. No, and I expected Fleetwood to have one by now, too, I'm, because he's such a, a, a pretty golfer. You would think that it would all come together. I know he's had some incredible performances. He has had trouble winning in the United States, as we know. Uh, he's won a lot over in, in Europe. Uh, you know, he's very dangerous. Uh, I'm waiting for the week everything comes together for him, and he just runs away and hides, you know? I, I just wonder at this point if there's so much mental scar tissue on Tony Fleetwood that, you know, some close calls, feeling pressure, um, if if he is going to have some real challenges. He's he's not had it so far this year. Um, he did have a tie for fourth last week at the Scottish Open. Um, he was tied for fifth at the PGA Championship. Um, but he's another guy that, that sort of has really no weaknesses to his game, but I don't know if he has enough strength. Like, you got to have something that's the foundation of your game. You got to build something. If you talk about Rory and Rom, um, Shuffle, those guys can pound it with driver and set up something with the rest of their game. And, and when I look at somebody like Tommy Fleetwood, he, he puts it good, but he's not great. He's got a really nice short game, but for him to get up and around the greens, he's, a, he's an average guy off the tee, which is fine. He's an average guy these days with his irons. He's having a little bit of a down year. I don't see something unless he catches a hot week that you can say, like, well, this is what we're going to build our game around. Like, you know, Will Zalatoris, we're going to build it around this world-class, ultra-elite iron game. And if we can get ourselves to hit those shots, we're just going to have so many birdie chances. And even if you're not a good putter, like, you're going to make a couple. You're just going to have so many good chances, and you're going to keep bogeys off the card. I don't see anything with Tommy Fleetwood where I can say, like, okay, this is the foundation of his game. This is how we are going to ride a horse all the way to the finish line. I don't see it. All right. Who do you think is going to be standing on Sunday? You know, I, I've been going back and forth on this, and I'm actually going to go with somebody that we haven't talked about. And it goes against every one of my little rules that go I ahead. wrote down in my notebook about. Xander Shoffley. Xander Shoffley won the Travelers Championship a couple weeks ago. He yep. won last week again at the Scottish Open. He's up to number five in the world. It's the guy who has got the gold medal from Tokyo at the Olympics. He, um, he is one of the players who three putts, as I mentioned, that's one of the stats I'm looking at. He ranks fourth 
in the three punter voice. Every time I pick him, he loses. Every time I pick him, he doesn't play well. I've had I haven't had a lot of luck with him because he's he's a very impressive player and he's always dangerous. But for some reason, I've not connected on the right week with him. The only reason why I can think that Xander Shoffley isn't right there at the end is as we start talking to win three in a row. Three tournaments in a row is an awfully very tough. thing to do. Very tough. So that, that's the thing that I keep coming back to. I think it's Shoffley, and if it's not him, I think it's Rory. All right, listen, appreciate your time very much. Thanks, uh, and enjoy, enjoy the week. Anytime. Thank you very much. Thank you. David Dusick, senior writer for Golf Week. He likes uh, Shoffley to win. Uh, I never pick Rom because he's always the favorite. This week, he's a generous odds, and I just... I know what he can do and can't do. I just think he's just going to have one of those weeks where he's red hot. I just have a feeling. And this is a course that usually the big player wins, and he's one of the real big players. Uh, Listen, talent-wise, he's as good as anybody in the world, as we know. And he can hit the ball a country mile, as can Rory, uh, as we both will be on display this week with the British Open getting uh, underway tomorrow. Um, We'll come back right after this. You're listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Let me just say this about, first of all, uh, the Mets getting ready for a game three this afternoon uh, as they look to see if they can win two out of three against the Braves. What Scherzer did on Monday night was very important for them. They continue to struggle with their hitting. They're getting starting pitching, but their hitting, especially with runners in scoring position, has gone very south in the last 30, 35 games. They are struggling mightily to score runs, um, and that's something they're going to clearly carry into the All-Star break as they think about what they're going to do as we emerge closer and closer to the trade deadline. They are going to need a bat. As for the Yankees, I know Yankee fans are stunned that they've lost three in a row and especially came home off the two losses in Boston and played the Reds with Cole on the mound. Cole throws seven sterling innings of shutout baseball. You figured the game's a lock. I'm sure a lot of Yankee fans lost a lot of money last night on the Yankees, especially if they bet the number because it must have been they must, he, they must have been three and a half to one if you bet the number. Even if you bet the run line, I'm sure it was close to minus two to one with the run line last night with Cole on the mound against a Reds team, which is dreadful. I know they're in a little bit of a hot streak right now. And then the Reds stunned the Yankees and Holmes with that kind of comeback. Hey, Holmes is allowed one of those. Even the great Mariano Rivera had his moments during the regular season. So every closer has that moment. The thing with Holmes is, if he has a couple of these in the second half, it's going to lay a seed for Yankee fans that what if this happens in the postseason? We knew Mariano would be there in the postseason when they needed him most. Holmes is unproven, right? You know what? You're not going to know about Holmes in those spots till he plays in those spots. Until he pitches in those spots, until he takes the ball with a two-run lead in the ninth or a 3-2 lead in the ninth or a 2-1 lead in the ninth. The bottom line is you're not going to know. No matter what he does this regular season, even if he went in perfect, and he's been virtually perfect until last night, even if he went in perfect, you're not going to know until he does it in the postseason. So you're not going to answer that question with a 13, 14, 15 game lead in a division race that is over. You're not, you're not going to answer any questions for the postseason. October stands alone. That's why it is, as we've said many times, very critical that the Yankees are able to see through all this success of this regular season 
and see what will really play in October and what won't. And let's be honest, should they be wrong in October and get knocked out, they will have a very cold offseason. We'll see you down the road. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan. And you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts.